Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula who is expecting my first baby this September. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. In this episode of the podcast, Crystal Parker is coming on to share both of her birth stories. We talk about birth center birth, precipitous births. We talk about meconium in the amniotic fluid and how Crystal would describe both of her pregnancies as being a little bit harder, but then her births as being amazing and fun and enjoyable. Welcome to another episode of What the Bump. We have Crystal Parker here to share her birth story today. So thank you for coming on the podcast, Crystal. Oh, it's so nice to talk with you this morning, Jennifer. (laughs) I'm very excited. I'm so excited for you. I had no idea that you were expecting until we hopped on this call. (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm also very excited. I'm like counting down the months. I can't wait. (laughs) Of course, because you talk about it all the time. Yes, that's very true. And I know so much. So sometimes I'm like, I think I just like want her out of me and just give me more comfort. I don't know. But go ahead and tell me a little bit about how you met your partner, a little bit about yourself and your family. Sure. So my husband, Jason, and I both graduated from Gettysburg College, a really small liberal arts school in Pennsylvania. And we actually did not know each other as undergrads. We were both philosophy majors, funny enough, but we were different years. So I graduated in 2006 and he was 2009. And we met on campus at an alumni event. So one of my closest friends, Anna, was next to me at our dinner table. And Anna is the type of person who is really good at vetting friends. Like she kind of just doesn't waste her time on people she doesn't truly vibe with. And so Jason knew Anna. He came up to our table and was just kind of being a jerk. And I expected Anna to totally dismiss him. I was like, who's that guy? And she said, oh, yeah, Jason Parker. Uh, He's actually really cool. (laughs) And I had this moment of cognitive dissonance I was like wait what because I completely expected her to dismiss him and say yeah he's just he's a jerk (laughs) Um, but she totally vouched for him and said yeah no I can't believe you don't know Jason like he's really cool he dropped everything to volunteer for this summer camp program with me and uh yeah she she totally vouched for him so her word meant a lot to me and Jason and I ended up uh, co-leading a service project. It was a trip to New Orleans because Hurricane Katrina had happened during my senior year of undergrad and his freshman year. And neither of us had gone on any of the, we, we both went on some service learning trips, but we hadn't done a Katrina relief trip. And so I talked about how cool it would be to do that as an alumni. And he said, oh, I had that same idea too. And I was like, well, do you want to lead a trip? Because we'll have different friend groups and, and different, um, you know, audiences to draw from to recruit participants. And so we did. We created the trip. We went on the trip together. And, you know, the rest is sort of history. It's hard <laughs> to go on a trip with someone and have fun. Yes, extremely. Especially when you're doing a trip like that. Right, right. Exactly. So, yeah, we pinballed around the state a little bit. So I actually ended up at the time when we met, we were both living in D.C., and he's from Durham, North Carolina originally. And then I moved out to, down to Asheville, um, moved to Durham to be with him. And then now we live in Davidson, north of Charlotte. Gotcha. So tell me about finding out you're pregnant with your first. Oh, I mean, we were trying, right? So we had gone on our honeymoon and we actually, my daughter Eloise is named after Jason's great aunt. 
So we spent our honeymoon kind of strategically going up and down the coast of California, staying with family. We attended a wedding out there. So it was a great trip. And Eloise's daughter, we stayed with in the Bay Area. And she was one of the first people to find out that we were actively trying to get pregnant. And we we uh, have a daughter. We're planning to name her Eloise. So if you don't mind, could you share what, what was Eloise's middle name? And she told us that her middle name was actually Hendrix. She had a copy of her birth certificate. We were like, well, that's a really cool middle name. So our daughter is Eloise Hendrix Parker, named after Eloise Hendrix Parker. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So yeah. did you actually get pregnant with her on your honeymoon? No, close. Very, very close. We're pretty sure she was a, a 4th of July conception. Her birthday is March 22nd and our honeymoon was at the end of May. So it was, you know, same summer, same. Yeah. They, yeah. We were lucky to, to be able to conceive her right away. Yes. And how was your pregnancy with her? Any like struggles, um, any, any bumps in the road throughout your pregnancy? Absolutely. Uh, pregnancy was just awful. So I had like ovarian cysts and also ovarian torsion. So in addition to the, the corpus luteum cyst, which is, you know, what helps to feed the placenta or take the place of the placenta before the placenta forms. Um, I had all of these cysts on my ovaries and I was in extreme pain. So my first trimester was terrible. In addition to all that exhaustion, I was just in constant pain and there was not much that we could do. Uh, so I actually didn't receive great prenatal care and felt like I had to spend a ton of time advocating for myself, which is when I actually found out about what a doula is and the fact that doulas exist and that there's, you know, some, some non-hospital birth options. So I had never heard of a birth center. I ended up switching care providers from a traditional hospital setting to a, a birth center. And it, it was just the, the perfect fit, the midwifery model of care versus the kind of traditional medical model of care. Um, ended up, you know, of course my, my pregnancy got a little bit better as it progressed. This went away naturally on their own. Um, but it was, it was a really rough first, <laughs> first few months. I think I found out I was pregnant when, uh, I was seven weeks along with, with Eloise. Okay. So, yeah. And getting into your birth plan with her, obviously you said you were planning a birth center birth with a midwife and a doula. Yeah. Oh, I didn't have a doula with my first. Okay. Um, okay. I felt like. I was planning, I had been planning to hire a doula to do the hospital birth, but then a doula who I interviewed mentioned the birth center and I said, oh, that sounds like it might be a good fit. And I just assumed that I wouldn't really need a doula since my husband was there and was very much a part of the, the prenatal yes. uh, preparations. So. so did you have anything else planned for her birth? Like any other birth preparation that you did or birth planning? Not really. So I teach Pilates. I've actually been a teacher for about 12 years now, which I can't believe 2009 was 12 years ago, but I've taught Pilates for 12 years when I was, let's see, it was November of 2017. So however pregnant I was then, um, I did a pre and postnatal Pilates teacher training, uh, mostly just to work with clients and for my own personal edification. And interestingly enough, even though I've always preferred Pilates to yoga, I was craving a yoga practice while I was pregnant. So I didn't do specifically prenatal yoga classes because to be honest, I, I couldn't really find a great one. You know, they, the schedules are really tough with prenatal yoga. 
And I just, since I knew how to take care of my own body and knew about some of the common aches and pains and contraindications, I just did a, a hot vinyasa flow practice, which hot yoga is not recommended, particularly during first trimester. But again, I went to sort of a, a mildly hot studio and, and I just loved uh, going through a, a nice, really vigorous vinyasa yoga practice while I was pregnant. So that was my birth preparation was a ton of yoga. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I go to a hot yoga studio here in Charlotte and it's not something that I would consider like medium hot. It is like <laughs> scorching hot. So I actually bought a big class pack right before I found out I was pregnant and like mm-hmm. wasted over a hundred dollars, unfortunately, because I really can't go. Like it is so wicked hot in there. I just, I don't think I would feel comfortable with it, but I miss sure. it so, so much. Yeah, I, I loved it. We actually similarly bought season passes to the U.S. National Whitewater Center about a week before I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> so of course you can't do anything there. Yeah, it's like rock. Yeah, it's rock climbing, <laughs> whitewater rafting, zip lining. Yep, mountain biking. Yes, like all paddle the very, boarding. Very dangerous. Yup, all the very dangerous things. They're like no. <laughs> yes, we have a season. So we walked around pass. the trails a lot. But. Yep. Okay. That's what we do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's the only thing we utilized was the season parking pass. And my, my husband did some of the, you know, climbing and jumping into those giant pools and, you know, he got to have all the fun times, but I had to sit it all out and again, waste of hundreds of dollars. <laughs> yes. Well, we're going to actually planning on going to Mexico, hopefully for a little baby moon next month. And that's kind of how it's going to be. Aww. I'm like totally missing out on like a lot of the, you know, crazier things that you can do there, but my husband's going to participate. <laughs> right. Right. So tell me about going into labor with your first. Oh, with Eloise. So interestingly enough, my water broke with both of my births. With Eloise, it was at the end of a yoga class. It could not have been. I I feel really lucky to have just had such a beautiful birth experience. I was attending a yoga class with my husband and we were in Shavasana. And they have the whole lavender towel situation. He, interestingly enough, is allergic to lavender. <laughs> so whenever they brought out the lavender towels at the end of class, he would just flee and, you know, kind of offer to, to help fold towels or like do the laundry or, or whatever. So he was out chatting with a front desk person and I was sidelined with a bolster and this amazing man was teaching uh, and I was just in the back. And I completely felt my water break. And I was like, yup, that's, yo, that, that, that got a little, hmm, that's, that's a lot of liquid down there. That's not just the normal, like prenatal casual level of, of whatever's going on down there. Um, <laughs> this is, this is something, this feels like amniotic fluid right now. So I just really subtly, I was like, thank goodness it's the end of class. So I rolled on over and tried to kind of subtly, I was truly worried about like dripping on the floor, <laughs> but I just, I kind of, scurried out of there, waved to my husband, and he was just being his usual really gregarious and effusive self. And he's like, Crystal, have you met this person and this person? And I was like, dude, we have to go. Like right now, we have to go. <laughs> so I gave him a really serious look. He had left his shirt in the room and he was just not prepared that, okay, it's go time. So I got home and uh, got into the bathtub. Because again, I'm like, I definitely think my water broke. And I called the midwife and said, um, I, I, was, I remember being apologetic for whatever reason. I was like, hi, I'm so sorry to call. I'm pretty sure my water just broke. So then she had all these questions about, you know, are you having contractions? That the usual questions that 
you know that they're gonna ask but in the moment I was just like in a bathtub kind of like my water broke and I don't know what to do so you know we did all the the contraction timing and she told us to go to sleep and and come in in the morning and uh we did we showed up and you know labor had not really progressed and I was really just sad that I would likely have to go to the hospital to give birth because you know once your water breaks the timer starts and if you're not in labor within 24 hours and things are getting really serious the birth center you're risked out of the birth center so I had prepared myself for that inevitability that I was very likely just going to be going to the hospital so she sent us to, to target and to get lunch and we were walking around and all of a sudden things got fast and furious right like I was having really serious contractions. And so we went back to the birth center right away. I remember being at Earl's grocery and like throwing down my sandwich. <laughs> I was trying to eat in Earl's and I was like, oh no, we have to get back in the car and go back. So we went back to the birth center. The midwife said, oh yeah. Um, she checked my cervix and said, yeah, okay, you're staying. So let, let's like, get a bath drawn for you and, you know, get you into a room. So we went into the, the birth suite and I got into the bath and uh, things just progressed really rapidly. Like all of a sudden I just remembered uh, it was like a whole crew of them. I had a whole cheering squad of midwives because <laughs> I think there had been another birth that did get transferred to the hospital. So I had four midwives. They were like, oh, this birth looks kind of cool. So they were just there, this whole cheering squad and they're wheeling stuff in. And I'm like, things are getting really serious. And I remember being in, because uh, again, similar to what you said, Jennifer, earlier about knowing a lot and knowing too much, I knew that like hands and knees was a really nice, comfortable birthing position <laughs> and laboring position. And so I really liked hands and knees with forearms on the birth ball, like on top of the bed. And I remember they started like putting out the drop cloth and all, you know, they had the carton. So things were getting really serious. And I all of a sudden got really offended and just did not want to birth in hands and knees. I was like, no, I actually don't want to birth this way. I want to move. But contractions were so, it was, it's so hard to move when labor progresses and you're in transition. And they're like, you're crowning. Like you need to be like, I don't know if you're going to be able to move. And I was like, no, I want to be over at the birthing bars. Cause I just, in my mind, I just wanted that. And that was the birth that I wanted. I was like, I just want like a nice open chest. And I don't know. So I yeah, decided during transition that I wanted a different labor position and it was incredible. I had the birth stool and like had my arms up on the, the um, birth bars and just birthed in a squat and it was awesome. <laughs> so that sounds like it was pretty fast. Like, cause you said when she sent you to target, you weren't really having contractions. Right. Right. I mean, I'd had some, but they were so far apart. Yeah. And, not yeah, regular. Yeah. Nope, not at all. So and then it was how, great that it happened. How long from when you got back from Target to the birth center to when you actually had your daughter? How long was that? Uh, I think we went back to the birth center around three o'clock and um, I had my daughter at 6.30. Oh, okay. That's very fast. For it was first... a very fast. It was a very fast first birth. <laughs> yes. And how, how, how did you feel doing this all? Obviously you had her at a birth center, so you were on medicated and how did, how would you describe, you know, what labor was like? How did you cope with it? I honestly just, so I, I loved having all the midwives there, but at one point it got a little distracting. One of the midwives was a little bit newer. And so she would, I, I felt like I had a lot of voices 
and I had to work really hard to tune them out and just listen to my husband. So he, we were really in sync and, you know, he knew that he had to be the translator and right. I, <laughs> Cause they were encouraging me to just, just push and push the baby out when I was on all fours. And I was like, I don't want to birth this way. So he was really my advocate and having him there and just having that relationship and that complete trust that he was the right person to have at the birth um, was, was completely critical, but I felt, I felt great during birth. I felt like I had this powerful birth position. And then afterward, you know, it's, it's so nice when you give birth at a birth center, because you get to go home. You don't have to be in the hospital with all those dingy noises. That was just not the right fit for me. So I was, I was really, really pleased with the outcome that I got to stay at the birth center and, and have that birth and not have to go into the hospital birth route. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you, did you guys take like a birth class prior to, or how, I mean, it sounds like your husband kind of like knew what he was doing a little bit. I don't know if you guys <laughs> like self-educated or if you guys took a birth prep. Well, it was required. So the oh, birth center okay. where we delivered, yeah, baby and company was still open when I gave birth to my first. So that was a Charlotte area birth center. I think it was actually a, a chain, but they closed all the North Carolina voca- locations, sadly. Um, the baby company was luckily an option and we live in Davidson. So we were about equidistant between natural beginnings up in Statesville and baby company down in Charlotte. And I think we chose baby company mostly because I, I was sort of, I wouldn't say that I was anxious about it because I, I didn't really go into birth with a lot of anxiety, but I liked the fact that if something did go wrong with the birth, I mean, they shared a parking lot with Novant Presbyterian. So the transfer to the hospital was like 90 seconds long versus natural beginnings is a little bit more rural. So it takes about five minutes to get to a more regional hospital versus, you know, being 90 seconds away from being admitted to a giant hospital. Uh, I I just felt a little more comfortable knowing that that was, that was a backup plan if a medical intervention had been necessary. Yes. I'm very, very upset that they closed. <laughs> I know they were wonderful. Yes. So they did offer childbirth ed classes and it was just the required part of being a patient there. They were open to the public, but most of the folks who were in the classes, I think it was a series of three. Um, there were weekend options, there were weeknight options. And so my husband and I went together um, for the weekend ones. Uh, and he, he took a lot of notes and asked a lot of questions during them. <laughs> I love that. I love that. They kind of like required the birth education classes. Cause it is really important. Yeah. And I almost wish like more hospitals, um, did that. I don't know. I just wish they, they put more into like that education piece because it's so important. I do too. And it's also hard to find one. I actually had to observe a childbirth education class. I did end up doing a prenatal yoga training program. And part of our training was to go and observe a childbirth ed class. And I had a hard time finding one. Uh, and also kind of finding one that, you know, I could ask to sit in for, for free, you know, I kind of offered to like set up tables and assist with it, but you know, I could have paid for one and they're pretty prohibitively expensive to be honest, Mm -hmm. like pay hundreds of dollars out of pocket. So, you know, um, there are lots of awesome childbirth ed books out there and actually Deb, who was my teacher trainer for the prenatal training. Um, she's with the prenatal yoga center that's based in New York city. She is also a childbirth educator and a birth doula. So childbirth education is a really important piece of her prenatal yoga classes. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love that. 
Yeah. So I try when I teach prenatal yoga, I also try to do a few childbirth ed tidbits, even though I'm not a childbirth educator, but that's Helen and I have actually been talking about potentially doing the childbirth ed class together at some point. (laughs) Yes. That'd be awesome. That's like one part that I love about both things that I do about being a labor and delivery nurse and being a doula is I, and it's even better with being a doula because you really get to like sit down and do prenatals. And I really love to dive into childbirth education. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we get tidbits of it, but I, I definitely valued that. And doing it together was really nice too. Yeah. Yeah. Of with course. my husband. So tell me about finding out you're pregnant with your second baby. I'm glad that you can see my face right now. because <laughs> I had a, a really interesting um, second pregnancy. So I was the primary breadwinner for our family. And I always intended to be a full-time working mom. And I did that with my daughter for about six months. And I found out I was getting laid off. (laughs) So it was, my daughter was born at the end of March. And at the end of October of 2018, I was told, oh, we're restructuring and you no longer have a job at the end of 2018. So I processed that information for about 15 minutes. And then my first call was to my OBGYN's office because I, you know, had already established uh, with an OBGYN practice that was located a little closer to my home. So I called them and said, Hey, um, I I need to get on birth control (laughs) because I was not on birth control. I was breastfeeding. So, you know, it's such a slim chance of getting pregnant and we weren't, we knew we wanted a second and I was 34 at the time. So I thought, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll try to try to get another pregnancy out while you know, I'm, I'm still within this non-advanced maternal age stage. You know, we, we could have a second. That's great. Uh, just had the total panic moment of, okay, I, I need to get on birth control. And so I, I picked up my prescription and got a call from, from the OBGYN's office. And she said, hey, um, funny enough, you are actually already pregnant. <laughs> So please don't take that birth control. Oh gosh. Yes. Yes. So again, not, we were not actively uh, using any sort of method of contraception, but it was quite the surprise that I was already pregnant. Uh, So yeah, I mean, my husband was psyched (laughs) because he really did want two kids. I was kind of unsure. And again, I was so committed to this identity of being a full-time working mom that processing the news of getting laid off and then knowing that it's like, well, do I want a job search while I'm pregnant? Or uh, it was it was just hard to make a decision. So we, um, of course, our next step was to figure out how pregnant I was. And I assumed it was maybe like five or six weeks. It, it turned out it was 13. <laughs> oh, so you didn't get morning sickness, I'm assuming. No, the second, and I don't know if it was just because, right, there was, I, there was just a lot of stress returning to work for me. It was a really hard postpartum transition um, after my first birth, but yeah, I, I completely missed my first trimester. <laughs> well, that's great because last pregnancy, you said the first trimester was right. super rough. So this one clearly exactly. was a breeze. Exactly. It was, easy. <laughs> it was a breeze. Right. I mean, as easy as it could be. I, I just yeah. thought my body felt like garbage because I had a newborn who I was breastfeeding. Not oh that my. I was like creating yet another human. <laughs> Wow. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we did make the decision. We said, okay, well, it sounds like 2019 is going to be sort of a wash um, because you're going to be pregnant for half of it. And 
then the second half we'll we'll have a newborn and another young baby. So so we decided that I likely would not return to the workforce full time. And again, because I've been teaching Pilates for so long, that's always such a nice little part-time thing that I could do. You know, I love teaching at places like the YMCA. And since I had those specialty certifications in pre and postnatal, you know, I do work with a lot of one-on-one clients. So it was nice to kind of narrow my focus and and just work one-on-one with lots of pre and postnatal women because that was my recent experience and I knew a lot and had lived in a, a pre and postnatal body. How was your pregnancy with your second baby? As far as, you know, the first trimester you said was a little bit easier because you didn't know for a lot of it. Again, I feel like I don't, I'm like most women who I talk with. And I feel like a lot of women get apologetic and say, I really don't like being pregnant. That's probably 85% of women I interact with who are pregnant. I'm like, I, I just don't like this. Uh, so I, I wouldn't say that I loved, I was not one of those unicorn pregnancies where I thought, oh, la la la, this is so wonderful. Of course I was exhausted. It's, it's sort of hard to separate the pregnancy from just the experience of having an infant since my daughter was so young. You know, she was only 14 months old when my son was born. Mm-hmm. So it was also interesting to feel those questions of, right. Oh, is Eloise excited about being a big sister? I'm like, Eloise knows like four words. Like she knows mama. I don't know if she even knows the word baby. Like she doesn't know that she's going to become a big sister. So I think physically, um, you know, I, I had less opportunities to practice yoga because I, my husband was luckily able to parlay his part-time job into a full-time job. And so I became the primary childcare provider and we, we kind of swapped roles. So I, I had less opportunities to, to do a yoga practice. Um, but in general, you know, because I, I felt like I knew a lot and I had already birthed, um, I'd educated myself. I made the decision to hire a doula. So knowing that the, the sort of sibling care, we don't have family in the area and we had kind of just moved here um, when I got pregnant with Eloise. So, you know, we just didn't have a really strong network of friends and family. And it was a big question mark, like, well, what, what are we going to do with, with Eloise when, when Thomas is born? Uh, and so hiring a doula was, was really the answer to that. Like, cause I trusted my husband to be that birth support person. I knew that, you know, he had crushed it the first time around and I knew he was great at the job. Um, but just, you know, knowing that we would have something to do with our, our toddler yeah. <laughs> who was very much still in that baby land as a 14 month old was, was pretty critical. So what was your birth plan like for your second birth? Um, I, it was a, a loose plan as most birth plans probably should be. Uh, yes. So Babing Company, interestingly, Babing Company was still open, uh, but we decided to go with Natural Beginnings for the second birth because my mother-in-law lives in Durham and I knew that we wanted her, we wanted to invite her to be at the birth. And so it was just, a little closer for her to get to Statesville. And I was less worried about, you know, needing to be transferred to the hospital because I knew that, uh, you know, the second birth was likely to go maybe a little more quickly than the first. And it was, it was just easier for her to get to Statesville. So I felt really confident in natural beginnings. We chose that as um, the location of our second birth while I was getting prenatal care there and preparing for birth, baby and company ended up closing so I am so glad that we were with Natural Beginnings from the beginning because I'm not sure that they would have been able to take me on as, as right. a patient. Yeah. So we were already there. So we, we really lucked out. Yes. Um, but our birth plan was, yeah, basically just to 
to have Helen there and let her do her amazing fairy birth godmother stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And for anybody who does not know, Helen was Crystal's doula. She was actually on a podcast quite a while back talking about just like doula work in general, but she's amazing. She's also my doula. So yes, she, she's great. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anyone who doesn't love Helen to be honest. Yeah. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> it's, it's clearly not. <laughs> so tell me about going into labor with your second. Well, once again, surprise, my water broke, which <laughs> as you know, happens in maybe 15% of labors. Uh, so it was really, it was less fortunate timing than the post yoga class Shavasana water breaking. Um, similarly, I was in a really relaxed state. I had just woken up from a nap and my husband, I think was out at a bar. I can't, I can't remember. I just know that I hadn't eaten dinner and I took a really late nap and that, uh, did not bode well because I woke up starving and stood up and just gushed onto the carpet. It was like more of a gush than the, than the first time around. And I was like, oh man, are you kidding me? So I called my husband and luckily we live in Davidson. So he had, I think he skateboarded to the bar. We live pretty walking distance, That's amazing. but he sometimes, takes, yeah, I know. He'll like take a skateboard to the grocery store and wear a backpack. <laughs> so we so like skateboarded down to the bar. And uh, I called him and I was like, hey, I think my water broke. I'm also really hungry. Did you make lasagna? And <laughs> so he rushed back and, you know, but he kind of wasn't as rushed as perhaps he should have been since, you know, certainly my first labor hadn't progressed really quickly. So I think he just thought he had some time, but I was having contractions. I was like, oh man, I really have to poop and I'm really hungry. And like, you know, Eloise is crying. Can you, you know? <laughs> there was just a lot going on and I was just like so hungry because I hadn't eaten dinner so uh we called Helen and we just kind of casually told her like hey my water broke so we're but I'm having contractions and they're pretty close so you know we might want to go to the birth center and Helen was like um that's not really close like you need to get in the car and go now and I was like but I need to eat like <laughs> priorities so we deployed my mother-in-law and said, oh, hey, you're eating dinner, get in your car and come to Statesville. So everyone just sort of mobilized and I was just zombieing around, right? I uh, was just so like, I need to eat. That's my priority. And like, we, you know, we need to figure out what to do with Eloise. Like, should we call someone to watch her? And Jason just loaded everything into the car. He's like, I have your lasagna, like just get in the car. I'm like, let me just try to poop before we leave. So I'm sitting in our downstairs bathroom and I was like, oh my gosh, I think like this baby is ready to come. Like I feel the ring of fire. And I was like, this is bad. So it took all of my energy and like athletic ability to get myself out to the car, in the car. And I just said to my husband, don't talk to me. I just shut the door and I pulled down on, you know, the little like handle that's by the... <laughs> the window <laughs> like you would hang up your dry cleaning I just said I think Ellie's had a dirty diaper in the back seat she's crying the whole time and I was still like where's that did you bring a fork like where's that lasagna and I was <laughs> I like oh wait that. I'm having <laughs> <laughs> Helen Helen has told me that she will never think of lasagna the same way after like this lasagna was such a prevalent uh expert part of my birth experience and so we don't even often have lasagna which is the funny thing um but anyway so I'm, I'm just there like pulling down 
and really like trying to curl my toes up to the ceiling and regulate my breathing so that like I can hold this baby in. Cause I'm like, it is not time to get out, dude. And you know, I, I uh, was on the phone with a midwife the whole time. Cause she's like, yeah, if you go into labor in the car, like you're going to have to pull over. And we had, we had prepared for that. Right. Cause they actually told us if you start to go into labor and you have to give birth in the car, like call us, put us on speakerphone and, and we'll talk you through. And I was like, I might have to birth this baby in this car. So my husband was just driving uh, again, silently. Um, Cause I had told him not to talk to me uh, <laughs> 90 miles an hour up to the birth center. It usually takes 30 minutes to get there. And he got there in about 18. So awesome. very unsafe. Yep. <laughs> very unsafe, but very awesome. And the, the midwife met me in the parking lot. And we had discussed because natural beginnings actually really loves water births and they're really used to doing them. So I had sort of envisioned, oh, I'm really open to the idea of doing a water birth. So, you know, I got there and there's nice music playing. And she's like, yeah, oh, we're filling up the tub for you. And I was like, great. So she walked me in and I was yelling back to Jason, like, don't forget the lasagna. Like, <laughs> unloading the car. And I think I brought like TRX straps and like my own peanut balls and you know, I was, I was really ready and prepared with all of these things. And, uh, we got in and, um, you know, the, the midwife asked like, do you want to, do you want to empty your bladder before you get in the tub? And I was like, oh sure. That's a great idea. So she starts checking me. Like I was wearing a dress. And so, you know, pulled down my undies and I was like, oh man. Yeah. The, cause I had a pad in since my water had broken. And, you know, she noticed right away that there was a little bit of meconium in the fluid. And so I saw her get the like little bit of wide eyed early look, but then she made eye contact with me and, you know, was like, okay, well, we, we gotta, I don't think you're going to get in the tub. Like we're, you know, we, we gotta get moving here. So then she pulled up my dress and she was like checking all my vitals. She pulled it up and she's like, honey, you're crowning. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this baby is about to come out. Like, what are you doing here? Just like, how can you be so calm and collected? And I'm like, well, dude, I am working hard to like hold the baby in, but I, you know, like, yeah, she's like, you're not going to leave this bathroom. Like you're going to have to birth on the toilet. So similar to my first birth, I was deeply offended by the birth position. I was like, I don't want to birth on a toilet. What are you <laughs> talking about? And she's like, you almost like, I'm surprised you didn't birth in your toilet at your home. I was like, I kind of almost did, to be honest. So I was like, well, could you, could you get the birthing stool? <laughs> so she had, she's like, I cannot believe that you want to move from the toilet, honey. But she sent the birth attendant to go and get the birthing stool. And so we moved me from the, both of them had to basically like hoist me up and carry me from the toilet to the birthing stool. And, you know, as you know, Jennifer, like a baby coming out, it's like a, a corkscrew situation, descend and rotate. Um, baby Thomas decided to treat it like a water slide. So he basically just water slid on out. So, you know, we'd had the little meconium scare. I saw the nervousness on midwife Nicole's face and you know, baby Thomas was like, cool, I'm, I'm in, like, I'm excited to be born. Let's make this happen. And he just water slid on out. So <laughs> needless to say, my husband and uh, our doula, Helen, both missed our birth. Um, but it was totally fine. It was such an awesome experience. I loved having Nicole was my midwife and Abby was our birth attendant and they were both great. And even though it was, you know, a brightly lit bathroom and my baby was born on a bathroom floor, it, it was still pretty awesome. And you know, I, I wish I would have seen my husband's face when he was told that the baby was already there. Cause he was again, very diligently just like 
unpacking the car and trying to change a diaper of our 14 month old. And uh, yeah, he, he just said, how's it going in there? And <laughs> Nicole said, well, your son is here. He's like, he thought he had some time. He totally, I mean, he thought he had more than, because my active labor was recorded as three minutes. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so you were at the birth yeah. center for three minutes. We were basically there for three minutes. I think, yeah, I had woken up at seven from my, my late nap. Um, and we were home by like before midnight, 1130. So start to finish. Yeah. It was like less than five hours to leave our, be, be talked into leaving my house to go to the birth center, birthing this baby and then getting home. So oh, it was wow. pretty great, but Helen did show up slightly after, and it was awesome to have her here, even though she wasn't, you know, part of the, um, you know, actually she was there for the birth of the placenta. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was amazing to have her there for that immediate postpartum support. Um, because I just, I felt so confident in, you know, both Jason's presence and then Helen came and my mother-in-law was there and it was just this amazingly joyful time. And, you know, Helen, again, just with everyone, she immediately feels like family and it was, yeah, it was a really lovely experience despite feeling a little bit like, I had maybe had a, a really serious car accident and came out unscathed. I was like, what in the world? Cause I even, I didn't tear either. Right. I had a tiny, tiny um, bit of stitching that needed to happen with Eloise's birth, but Thomas, they were like, nope, you look good. I was like, what? That's not how a birth goes. Like that's not, it's not a thing. Cause I was not prepared at all for a precipitous birth. It was just not something that I considered would potentially happen, you know, cause it was my second kid, you know, births tend to get shorter and shorter, the more you have. Um, but yeah, second kid. So we joke that if we did have a third child, which is not in our plans, um, like I would probably just like give birth, you know, in, in my sleep and be like, Oh, Hey, the baby's here. <laughs> yes. As much as you said the whole time, I'm thinking like, as much as you said, you were not somebody who like enjoyed pregnancy necessarily. You were made to give birth. You are really good. I at that. loved, I was a terrible pregnant person, but I am such a good birther. I loved birthing my babies, which is so <laughs> I would most, birth anything. most people, when they tell an unmedicated birth story, they talk a lot about the contractions and how they got through them and what they felt like and how it was yep. the hardest thing of their lives. And you're, you're like, Oh, I loved my contractions. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I did. And again, it's probably because I had gone through, you know, I did the Pilates training. So, and I really believe in the body's ability to do amazing things and to heal itself. And so, you know, I just know that your uterus has, right. I'd, I'd been feeling Braxton Hicks contractions with both pregnancies. I'm like, Oh, the uterus is doing a little warm up lap. Like that's fun. Like the muscles getting stronger. And, you know, I know that it has a little, you know, evacuation reflex <laughs> to get the baby out. So all you're doing when you're pushing is like activating your transverse abs to kind of help it along. Um, but I do remember a detail from my first birth. I know I said that I wasn't really anxious about a lot of things, uh, which I think was really helpful in the birth process. But I, I do remember being really worried about pooping in front of people. So that was a really good piece of advice that I got from my lead midwife. I know I mentioned I had a whole cheering squad of four midwives at Baby and Company with my first birth. But my lead midwife, Katrina, because since I had this close to her, I said, you know, like, I, I, I really don't want to poop in front of you. Like, I know that I'm probably going to poop, but could you just not talk about it? Like, I don't, I don't really want to poop. And so when we were, when we were doing that final pushing stage, she was like, okay, Crystal, I know you said you're worried about pooping. Please don't worry about pooping. Like you need to let your pelvic floor go. Like, just don't, don't worry about pooping. 
Yeah. From the, from the minute you said earlier in your story, like when you were at home and you were like, I got to try to go like poop before we go to the birth center. The whole time you're saying that I'm like, Oh no, I thought you were about to say you went to the bathroom and had a precip home birth. Oh my gosh. No, it was not. It was, it was close, but again, I was going to say, it sounds close. It was very close. And like, honestly, had I not um, had the training in, you know, and just this pretty intimate awareness of like where my pelvic floor is and how it works. Uh, I might've, I might've like let the baby go and been like, Oh, whoops. Yes, <laughs> There he is. So tell me how your postpartum experience was. I know you said you, you didn't tear and you got, you got to go home fairly quickly afterwards, but yeah. how was postpartum and healing for you? Um, it was pretty, again, I, I think I chose the unmedicated birth center birth because I, I really wanted a shorter recovery time and there are very few risks. I know getting an epidural is really common and there are very few risks, but there are some risks. So I just, it, it felt like the right choice for me to be as, um, low intervention as possible. Um, and so I knew that having a natural birth was very likely to result in a, an easier postpartum recovery. Um, so I, I mean, I was like out walking, um, you know, we were like out in the park with a, a baby who was less than 24 hours old, introducing him to people. And, you know, of course you get that, that burst of adrenaline that helps you uh, do things and then you kind of hit the wall later. So I, I did try really hard and my husband was a good advocate for me to, to manage my energy <laughs> really well and not, not overdo it. Um, so yeah, I had a really, and again, like Helen, our doula came to visit us um, within those first 48 hours. We had a lactation consultant come to our home um, and just, you know, we had invited the right people into our space. And I felt I had, I had a, such a wonderful postpartum experience with, with both of the babies. And again, because I, I truly just did not love being in a pregnant body. I was so delighted to not be pregnant anymore, <laughs> even though your body very much still feels and looks pregnant. Um, it, it just felt so nice to, to literally feel lighter, right. And not be carrying this extra, extra weight. Maybe that's why your births were so quick. Cause like subconsciously <laughs> you were just so excited to not be pregnant anymore. You're like, yes, birth, let's do it. Uh-huh. It was, it was very conscious <laughs> right? again. And I think that's, that's a key part of it, right? I've seen anxiety, not that I've attended live first, but certainly in um, teaching prenatal clients right there, anxiety is really common in a prenatal experience. And so I, I was really intentional in trying to cultivate this, this mindset of this is, this is just going to be great. This is going to be exciting. And I'm just so looking forward to not being pregnant. So I, I do think that that helps some of those, those happy hormones <laughs> really yes. did help facilitate a good birth experience. Yes. There's definitely a lot of anxiety around going into labor and especially around birth because there's so much unexpected with it. And that's also where, you know, educating yourself and having birth preferences more so and something right. can help so much, just remove some of that fear. Right. And having the right people, yes. um, you know, I, it's funny. We just got home from my husband was the best man in a wedding that happened uh, two days ago on Saturday. And so we just got home from the wedding and I was just thinking, it's so interesting that, right. When you're planning your wedding, it's really easy to go all type A on that. And I certainly did. I had an itinerary and I really wanted to control the outcome and know what to expect. Um, it ended up hurricaning on my wedding day, which I, uh, we, we had not really had a rain plan. We had a tent, but there was 
there was a rain plan, but there was certainly not a hurricane plan, right? No. So, you know, being able to just, just let go of those expectations, um, I think I couldn't have had a better preparation for actually birthing humans mm. than having my, my wedding not just rained out, but hurricaned out. <laughs> yes, that definitely does prepare you. Yes, yes. So, you know, and again, like with a wedding, you sometimes you capitulate to certain families, like your guest list, you know, okay, well, that random cousin or uncle, um, I wouldn't prefer to be there, you know, like, all right, my parents pitched in to pay for this, so we're, we're going to let that person slide on in. But when it's your birth, like you have to be really, really protective of that space and have people there as part of your birth posse and your um, newborn postpartum care posse who are just, you trust hundred percent completely. And, you know, they don't make you bristle when you, when you see them. Yes. Especially because giving birth is like such a vulnerable thing, because not only are you, you know, normally like physically naked and vulnerable and like pushing right. a baby out, but the, the atmosphere and just like allowing yourself to be comfortable and relax and like fully open up is so important or else you know, dilation can be really hard to achieve if you're in an environment such as maybe like what the hospital would have felt like for you, where it yes. felt like a little bit more hostile with people that you didn't know. Um, I totally 100% understand where you're coming from with that. Right. Right. And noises too. Like yes. I, I get really noise sensitive. And so even the, I remember prenatal care and just asking, could you guys turn the TV off in the waiting room? Like, I just felt like I was always accosted by HGTV and, you know, hospital has so many like lighty blinky things. And our, our kids now both go to a Montessori toddler program. And so in addition to not wanting lighty blinky things during the birth, right. My kids don't have a lot of lighty blinky toy type things. (laughs) Awesome. Well, tell me your top two tips and bits of advice for new moms or soon to be moms. Oh, I feel like I already had a spoiler alert for these. Um, so I think my my probably top advice for a, a soon-to-be mom is to really cultivate that ability to let go. I know I mentioned that uh, because my wedding got hurricaned out, I sort of had a an early partnership experience with my husband where we <laughs> really had a, a, an important exercise in letting go of that outcome and sense of control. Um, but really that, that does happen to so many folks who I know who identify as women. Um, we're pretty hardwired in general to really try to control an outcome, whether that's for an event such as your wedding or really any event or situation where you'd like to know what to expect and how to plan for it. Um, birth plans don't, don't run on timelines. Uh, and of course, let go also applies to your pelvic floor, as I mentioned. <laughs> um, and it's, it's really, it's, let go applies to, to many things in birth and parenting young children. And it's, it's a really good two word mantra um, to remember throughout the journey through birth and, and the early postpartum period. And I think my second piece of advice is, again, I cannot reiterate the importance of choosing your birth posse and your support posse really wisely. So if, if there is someone in your life who's insisting on being at the birth or being part of those early days with your newborn, and that person does make you uncomfortable and does kind of, you know, like a porcupine put up its quills, um, really trust those instincts and, and give that pushback and, and set those boundaries because it's, it's just so, so critical to have the right people there who you do trust completely, who you know are going to advocate for what your wants and needs are, um, especially during, during birth itself. Uh, so, you know, if you need to have, have a bouncer, um, if it's within your means to hire a doula, 
that person can be a really amazingly versatile person who, you know, is not only there as a birth attendant, but, but can be that, that bouncer and help you navigate some curveball situations. And uh, yeah, she can, she can tell people to, to go away (laughs) or go away for right now. So Yes. I think that who is in your birthing room is so important. And even like postpartum who comes to visit you, I think that it's really easy to just, you know, allow anybody and everybody to come, but you really do even have to filter that. Like if somebody Mm -hmm. is coming over, you know, I, I had somebody say one time on the podcast, like if somebody was coming over, it wasn't just like, you didn't just get to come over and have newborn snuggles. Like you could come over and have, no. snuggles, but like, you're going to help me out also. Like I'm going to give you a chore or a task. And it's only people who I want, who I feel like welcoming and supported by. Mm-hmm. And I think that even filtering out that is extremely important because you're just going through so much. And to have somebody there who doesn't make you feel comfortable is definitely not what is needed. Oh, a hundred percent. And with our second birth, we certainly learned to, you know, of course, ask for specific help that we needed. Um, Cause I remember we ended up, my daughter was born right before Easter and we ended up hosting Easter dinner. We had a week old baby and we had like a, eight family members in and they just kind of got up and left cause they came from out of town. And we just had like a newborn baby, a wasp in our house and like just a, you know, a house full of dirty dishes from hosting this big dinner. And we were like, what were we thinking? So with our second, we ended up having a, cause of course you're just in this infant fog with a newborn. And, you know, sometimes you're like, I'm just really tired. Yeah. This offer for you to snuggle the baby is really helpful. So I, let me just go take a nap. But we just, we put up a little checklist. Like we have a chalkboard in our kitchen and we just wrote on the chalkboard like dish and really s- simple words too. I think I started writing out like, are the dishes done? But we just kind of wrote like dishes, question mark. <laughs> and so we could just point to the list, like when our, our executive functioning was maybe a little more on point than um, other times during that newborn fog. Uh, we wrote out our list of, of things that would be helpful, like installing a baby gate and, you know, all, all those things. Yes. Let people do things for you. Let them help you. It's super important. Very, very. Well, Crystal, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for sharing both of your birth stories. I really enjoyed (laughs) chatting with you and just hearing about honestly, like your, I would describe your birth stories as just like fun. Like it just sounds like you had really fun births. They were really fun births and I'm not exaggerating. Again, if anyone, anyone who knew me when I was pregnant knows that I was just a miserable pregnant person, hated being pregnant. Um, but yeah, birthing, like I, I was kind of really built to birth. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I had those, those amazing birth experiences. Yes. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast and thank you for sharing your stories. Oh, thank you for taking stories of so many women. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.